Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's psalm is another one written by King David. Although we don't historically know the context for this one, he's wrestling with some kind of turmoil, some kind of an enemy from within, which we'll see a couple of spots. I'll point them out, but it's why many have suggested that maybe this is during 2 Samuel 15, 16, and 17, when his son Absalom has rebelled against him, sought to steal the throne of Jerusalem, and one of David's advisors, Ahithophel, remains in Jerusalem and begins advising Absalom against David. We don't know that for certain, uh, but it seems like it would certainly fit this context, so it's a maybe uh, for that. We begin to the choir master with stringed instruments, a maskil of David, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away, I would lodge in the wilderness. Salah. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city, Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend, We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house we walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and Yahweh will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety. From the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, Salah, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hands against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on Yahweh, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down. 
into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. This is the word of the Lord. So we begin another prayer of David, praying to the Lord to hear him and to have mercy upon him, to rescue him. And this is a prayer that has been sung by the church now for 3,000 years. It's an impressive thing to ponder with any of the Psalms, really, the history to these. And a family conversation for today, does God hear our prayers? The answer to that is yes. You can focus on the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus teaches us to pray it. You can focus on just the idea that the Lord commands us to pray. That in itself is an assurance that he hears it if he's given it to us as something that we must do. But a good family section to read together really would be that of Luke 11 where Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer. But the section right after it, which of you has a friend? will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow is probably another one you could take a look at too that would fit this context here. But yes, the Lord hears our prayers. And so David pleads for mercy and the Lord cares for him. Attend to me, answer me. Uh, Twofold, right? Attend to him, care for him, but also answer. Care for his complaint, what it is that is causing him to grieve and to mourn at this time. Note in verse 3, he calls this the enemy, and then down in verse 12, acknowledges it's not an enemy. Verse 12 is the idea of looking at this as an outsider versus an insider. This is not a foreign adversary. This isn't the Philistines who are coming against him. It's not, it's not like the, the Syrians have come down from the north. This is one from within. Still an enemy but an enemy of a different kind. So they cause trouble for David. They bear a grudge against David. He doesn't offer up any possibilities of connection on his own side of why these things may be happening, and it it certainly could just be evil that's going on in his midst. So his heart is at anguish. Cut deep, grieved. Terror of death has fallen upon him, a fear 
that he would be killed, struck down by this enemy. Overwhelmed by these feelings, these thoughts. And that's something that most of us could probably relate to at one point or another. Being so overwhelmed by the the dangers, the threats against us in our lives. And it may not be threats of physical violence, but the concerns, the worries of the heart over jobs and money, which then means food and, and the ability to live, shelter. It can be so many other things too, though, as we are we're given emotions by God, and they can be a good thing, but just as our broken body is given to the sinful nature, so are our emotions. And we become stressed out, we become overwhelmed, even by things that really have no no long-term bearing, just like the job and the money. Not needed in paradise. God provides. But it can be hard to see it in the heat of the moment. In Matthew chapter 6, the encouragement that we would not be anxious is a helpful one there. So David wishes to run away, that he had wings like a dove and could fly off, get away from it all. Sometimes we wish the same, to be able to run from the problems that we face, from the things that cause us fear. But if we run, run to the Lord, because if we run elsewhere, uh, we we never stop. We'll, We'll never cease to run. Verse 9, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. I see violence and strife in the city. This is where it starts to come home already, verse 9. Definitely verse 12 in in that paragraph, but we start to see it now in the city, in Jerusalem. God's holy city of which David is to be the king, and yet all of this evil is happening there. Violence, strife, conflict, sin, iniquity, Trouble, ruin, destruction, oppression, and fraud? Are there any of our communities today that don't see all these things too? Where evil is not mounting up upon evil? That they don't depart from the marketplace? Sometimes I wonder if if we knew, if I knew how much evil really went behind all the things in our, our capitalistic culture, if I'd ever want to to touch a coin again, if I'd ever want to uh, buy something from the marketplace again. It is such a broken and sin-filled world that we live in and as sinners that we're part of in some way. We're no longer a part of this world. We've been called out of it in Christ, but we still the moment, and then now and then not yet, we still participate in evil. We still harm our neighbors too. So verse 12 is where this gets closer to home again, very clearly, that it's not an outside enemy who comes in, and then he could hide. He could just wall himself up in the castle and not worry about it, but that's not the case. This is someone who was close by to him, a companion who gave him counsel. 
They even walked in God's house together. It's an interesting phrase because for King David, the house of God is not yet built in Jerusalem. So it would be likely a reference to wherever he has been storing the Ark of the Covenant temporarily as the temple will again come a generation later. This man has walked with him, talked with him, counseled with him. And now, now has turned against him. More of that in verse 20. So David's prayer, let death take him. Let him go down to Sheol alive. Now it is plural there, let them go down. Sheol is a reference to grave or the pit. This is almost like when the ground opened up and swallowed Korah and his fellow rebels whole in Numbers chapter 16. That seems to be the same kind of prayer that David has in mind because they only do evil. They're not seeking the good of God's people. They're not seeking the good of God's kingdom. They are seeking to harm it all. So he calls to God to avenge not only David, but David calls for the Lord's vengeance for the people and even for God's name when we think of it this way. Verse 16, so he calls to God, knowing Yahweh will save me. Note the confidence. He prays three times a day, evening, morning, and noon. We would think those out of order by our American understanding of time. But the ancient world, just as we see in Genesis 1, there was evening and morning the first day. It starts when the sun goes down, not when the sun comes up. So that pattern actually fits very well for the Hebrew mind of the day. But God will save. And this we know he has done in Jesus Christ, that he has rescued us from sin, death, and the devil, and that no earthly enemy can thus overcome us, because even if they take our life, Jesus will raise us again, and we will live with him forever. So David prays. He knows that God will redeem him. He knows that the Lord will keep him safe may not be in the worldly safety idea, but safe in his arms, safe in the shelter of paradise. But he trusts that the Lord will save him from this battle. So give ear. He prays again. And humble them. That would be the idea of judging David's enemies. He who is enthroned from of old. It's a prayer to God. God has been enthroned. The Lord has been king from ancient times. The Lord has been king always. This again fits the idea of this being Absalom and Ahithophel because he seems to be arguing against those enthroned as a contrast point. Humble them, tear them down from the place that they have exalted themselves, you who are enthroned always. They've taken a throne in their own time. Take it away from them. It seems to be the plea. It fits well, again, with 2 Samuel 15 through 17. But why? Because they do not change, they do not fear God. There is no repentance in them. Since they won't repent, destroy, judge them. That is King David's prayer. We see more in verses 20 and 21 of just how deceitful this former companion has been that he has turned his back on his promises, on his covenant, whatever covenants he might have made with other men, that he has a smooth tongue, 
to deceive, but he plots evil. The epistle of James comes to mind here as James talks about the damage that the tongue, as small as it is, can do, that it can cut, it can destroy, it can harm in so many ways. And so has this man been doing to David and to others. So, David and any faithful, cast your burden on Yahweh. He will sustain you. How true are those words and fitting with the rest of our conversation already today that we need not be anxious about anything, whether it's a worldly enemy or the devil or our sin and our guilt or just the trial of the day. Cast our burdens on the Lord. Because Jesus is with us, Jesus is for us, and Jesus has redeemed us already. We are his. And Hebrews 1.3, Jesus upholds the entire universe by the power of his word. He will not permit the righteous to be moved. John chapter 10, verses 28-29, that no one can snatch us from the Father's hand. David then turns, verse 23, once again to the Lord to judge them, cast them down into the pit of destruction, which would appear to be a reference to hell, because they are men of blood and treachery. They are evil. David prays that they would not get to live out half their days, that is, that the Lord would cut it short. He would cut the time of these men short so that others may yet live. They may not harm their neighbor any further but I will trust in you. So these men haven't, but I will. They don't pray to you, I do. They don't seek you, they don't repent. I do. Treat men by their faith. That is David's prayer. If they reject God, then God reject them. If they seek God for refuge and salvation, then God save them. So can we pray such a psalm today? It's a good family conversation to close. Yes, we can. We can pray any psalm, by the way. They are God's hymnal that he has given to us. So we can pray them, memorize them, sing them. It's okay to pray against our enemies. It's okay to pray for God's judgment. We see this both ways. We, we also pray for our enemies, and we can pray against them. We pray that the Lord would uh, bring them to repent, but that if they harden their heart, the Lord would not allow them to continue harming others any further. It's a both and. And so we see that coming from this psalm as this enemy has rejected God, has not repented, and David prays that the Lord would act on behalf of his people. Praise me.